0: Here's something I think would be great for classical music. I'd like for improvisation to become mainstream in classical concerts. Just think about that. With concerto soloists and chamber music groups, it would be fantastic. It would make every performance unique and non-fungible. Maybe there's already a shift towards this. An acceleration towards improvisation would be appropriate and would give a boost to live music. Welcome back to Accelerando. I'm Paula Tuttle, and this week we're talking about improvisation in classical music. Why do classical musicians resist improvisation? Our jazz counterparts own the application. It's their mainstay. But historically, improvisation belonged to all musicians. It was common for Baroque and classical composers to improvise fugues. Historian Robin Moore said, composition is improvisation slowed down because somebody had to invent the composition. So yes, improvisation also belonged to composers. But why are performers of classical music not encouraged to improvise on stage? If we go back to the Renaissance and Baroque periods, there was a certain amount of improvisation built into the compositions. Sometimes the mordants and the turns were written into the music, but it was also understood that especially the lead melody instrument, they could introduce trills, ornaments, mordants, and whatever they wanted into the melodies in both the fast and slow pieces. And there could be a fermata where it was indicating an improvised cadenza of any length. But again, there were certain standards for length and style of the cadenzas. Eventually, the cadenzas were written out and published in the pieces. And many players write their own cadenzas. But I remember a masterclass where a student was admonished for playing a fiery cadenza that didn't match the style of Haydn. The cadenza was by someone other than Haydn, and it had influences that were well beyond the Haydn period. Improvisation is easy to criticize, but a little might be better than none in some cases. Here's a simple line in a trio by Haydn, and there's an opportunity to improvise, Granted by Haydn, where he writes cadenza in the first melody instrument. This is playing what's on the page. The same as this performer. And this one, too. All the same. Okay, let's try Jean-Pierre Rampal. Hmm, not much improvisation there. It clearly says cadenza, and all four performers are taking next to zero liberties. It's the way things have been done for the last 50 years. Even if you did write your own cadenza, it shouldn't depart from the style of the period of the music you're playing. Why? The Bach Cello Suites are a good example of music ripe for a moderate amount of improvisation. Bach was a bit of a throwback in his time. He did things the way a generation before him did, in terms of style and common practices. Composers of that time expected the performers to improvise bowings. The closest thing we have to a manuscript of the cello suites, they aren't even in Bach's hand. The bowings are just basic suggestions. If you played these bowings, you wouldn't be satisfied. The bowings in these pieces can be executed a few ways, and it would make sense to change the bowings on the repeats to emphasize different interpretations. So you could say the repeats aren't there just to take up time. They were there to allow the performer to make more choices and express the music in more than one way. Did string players improvise bowings on the spot? Perhaps. So is improvisation part of interpretation? Does the composer expect the performer to interpret the piece and make changes or change the notes? Sometimes. The cadenza in a major concerto is a place for the performer to break away from the piece and begin playing something more flashy. When a drummer plays a solo in a rock concert, they're doing the same thing. It's called the breakdown. A cadenza in a Mozart or Haydn concerto, you can do whatever you want. But so many performers play the cadenza someone else played. So there's the problem with classical music in a nutshell. We've been trained to read the notes on the page to the degree we don't think there's anything else. And maybe, just maybe, classical music lovers turn their noses up at improv. But really, if more soloists did improvise on the spot, the audiences might like the trend. The notion that classical musicians are preserving the past, keeping it alive, yes, it's true. But why can't we do a little improv in the same space? Improv brings a sense of freedom to a piece. It's more than the unknown X factor that just, what tempo will she take? What's their interpretation? Will he play a section on or off the string? It's more than that. In classical music, there's so much emphasis on memory. And it's actually great because when a piece is memorized, there's a certain freedom to it. Let's take it one step further. Not reading the music playing by ear and maybe making something up on the spot. There's more freedom. There's an unknown and not being tied to the notes on the page. Our eyes aren't the most important sense anymore. A performer playing from memory reacts to the oral sense and his environment much more quickly. Let's look at the way music was introduced to us. Jazz musicians know improvisation is their bread and butter. Classical musicians are taught to imitate. They aren't pushed to create in real time. Gabriela Montero was born to an American mom and a Venezuelan dad, and she was given a toy piano when she was seven months old. Before she was 15 months old, before she could even talk, she was picking out the Venezuelan national anthem on her little piano. Montero, she's probably best known for her performance at Obama's inauguration. She played alongside Yo-Yo Ma, Anthony McGill, and Itzhak Perlman. They were playing a piece by John Williams called Air and Simple Gifts. The piece sounded improvisatory, but of course it was all written down and recorded the day before because of the temperatures at the inauguration. But maybe that piece, because it sounded like an improvisation and the inclusion of Montero, Maybe there are a glimmer of things to come. Montero has a trademark in her performances. She asks the audience to provide a song, and she takes at least part of it, and she creates a composition on the spot. There's a popular YouTube clip of her in Köln, Germany, improvising for the audience. A song. A traditional. First yes for a song from the audience. <laughs> I, will, I will use this little piece, okay? Okay? When she figures out the melody, she takes a moment to compose something in her head. Then she comes up with this. Introducing more improvisation, it would engage the audiences. When you hear talk of the cadenza you missed, you know you'll never hear it again. It would be very compelling to want to go and be part of something. Her little trick has enthralled audiences for years, even to the point that people, some people, say she must be planting people in her audiences to sing pieces she already knows. There are always those naysayers and disbelievers. But nonetheless, she is improvising on the spot for audiences. Montero said in an interview that when she was young, her piano teacher told her to stop improvising, so that must have bothered her a lot. At 17 years old, she quit piano, and she began casting about for what her life work would be she thought about social work for a bit. Eventually she did apply to a conservatory and she didn't find out what she was looking for until she played for a prominent pianist and actually improvised for the pianist and that pianist encouraged her to use her abilities for the greater good. Montero refuses to play for the Venezuelan state, her home country, even though they promised to pay her very well. Instead, she's used her concerts to bring awareness to the state of affairs in Venezuela. She used her music for activism. Her ability to improvise while being classically trained has sparked interest in the neuroscience community. So as you guessed it, Gabriela Montero was part of a study. They put her in a scanning machine with a piano built for the study. And they tested her brain scans while she played scales, a Bach minuet, and then she improvised on the same Bach minuet. The first two scans were matching, but the improv scan was sort of looser, maybe less intense. Montero herself says when she improvises, it's like turning on a faucet. She doesn't know what's going to come out. Check the show notes for further reading on all of this. So why don't more people do this? It doesn't have to be a standalone improvisation like Montero's. It could be a cadenza and a classical concerto. This is Brinton Smith's performance of the Haydn D major concerto, where he uses existing cadenzas written for the concerto, and he made a collage. Mostly Feuermann, but there's some Casals, Gendron, Klengel, and Rostropovich, and he adds a little Smith into the mix. It certainly could be daunting to write a cadenza for a classical concerto because audience members might want to hear something authentic, so you don't want to stray too far. some nice middle ground here, exploring the various cadenzas by the greatest cellists, taking liberties for sure, and making it his own. Nice. The Public Quartet brings improv to their concerts, and they have improv workshops too. They recognize the intimidating factors improv brings to classical musicians and their sessions take baby steps to bring the players into the circle of improv. Improvisation means responding to your surroundings and your partners. Improv has been introduced into businesses to help them work out problems. Nina Wyckoff is a student at Glasgow University, and to relax, she does a little stand-up comedy, and she's joined an improv group. One of the first rules of being on stage with another human being and engaging in improvisation is maintaining a yes-and attitude. If your partner jumps to G major, you should respond in kind. Or if he makes a remark about the weather, you should follow his lead. She says it takes two to high-five. Sometimes improv for comedians feels like improv for musicians. Audiences get drawn into the interaction of both. You want someone to work with who doesn't always need to be the star. Sometimes your job is to make someone else look good. Like, that's what people say all the time. Your job, you want to make your scene partner look good. And that ends up creating an environment where not only are you, like, You create successful scenes, but it's also, you make it more fun. And if you're not having fun in improv, then kind of what's the point? It's not like you're making money. (laughs) This would be great for live music of any genre. I'm making a pact this year to experiment with improv on my cello. I recently bought a looper pedal so I can practice it at home by myself. Then I'll see about jumping in with others. So maybe you want to get in on the ground floor. Make a resolution for some aspect of your music making, be it improv or something else. That's it for this week. Have a great week, and I'll see you next time. Bye for now.